listener. Yeah, I do think that electric vehicles are going to be the future of driving. Like, even if you go down to the shops, you can see that people are using them. There's electric charging stations. Like, don't they even have a whole day dedicated to them now? They sure do. And in this episode of What's Under the Bonnet, it's a special one, coinciding with the celebration of EV ownership right round the globe. To be honest, I don't even think it's about the environment anymore. I think people actually want a car that's going to perform. What me and my partner really struggle with is knowing which car is going to be working best for us. So yeah, I think it would definitely help if there was an award. I think that would make our lives a lot easier. It is only episode three and we are already handing out some shiny trophies. More on that very, very shortly and the criteria around it as well. Welcome everybody to What's Under the Bonnet. Greg Rust and Nadine Armstrong with you. And I mean, there are dates in the calendar in relation to cars just about every month, aren't there? I know, I know. Did you know that on October 2, it is International Name Your Car Day? No, Yep, yep. Ever named a car? I bet you have. I I haven't, but you know what? My kids have. So the truck we have for just stuff around the property, etc., the kids call Maverick. I don't know why. I I am far from Top Gun material, (laughs) (laughs) but its nickname is Maverick. I like it. I like it. More importantly, yes. <laughs> September 9, today, it is World EV Day. Who'd have thought we would have a World EV Day? Crazy, hey? So not just, you know, a, a local, I think you talked about it before we come on, like a cars and coffee type meetup. I mean, this is a proper international thing, isn't it? This is. It's a global movement. I mean, this is about driving change together. It's about celebrating e-mobility, but it's also a bit of a call to action. So it's about how we can support businesses, consumers, everybody sort of coming together to understand the landscape around this. So it it is a really big picture. Now, on today's show, if you are new to What's Under the Bonnet, welcome. Don't forget we have episodes already in the library, in our listener library, that you can go back. And each one is typically themed a certain way. So last month, it was about charging. We kicked off with potential anxiety around range anxiety. But this one is dedicated to our hallmark day of the year here for EVs and also a special award. But one of the key segments we have in each edition is to meet somebody who is actually an EV user, don't we? That's right. I think it's it's easy for us to talk about EVs, but to talk to someone that is driving one, owning one, living with one, you know, using it as their family vehicle, it's a whole different ballgame. So Natalie Forsyth is our meet and EVer this week, and I am really, really looking forward to talking to her. Why? Why? Because she owns a Porsche Taycan. <laughs> <laughs> you use the word family car and Porsche Taycan in the same sentence there. I mean, that is kind of ultimate EV know, family car, isn't it? Super cool, super cool. Yeah. It's peak EV, peak, peak performance. It is. It ticks all the boxes, really. We're going to start, though, with a very exciting announcement from the team at Car Sales. Yes, yes. On World EV Day, we're announcing the winner of our Best EV Award for 2022. And we're going to be joined by our managing editor, Martin Pettendy, to do the honours. He's one of your colleagues, Nadine, but one of Australia's most respected automotive journalists as well, with over 30 years' experience, both two- and four-wheel. And he even, in a former life, worked on the Ford production line in Geelong in his late teens. He's driven just about every kind of car for reviews, worked in print, radio and online. And as you say, his 
business card these days is Car Sales Managing Editor. Marty, welcome to What's Under the Bonnet. Hi, Marty. Thank you, Rusty. Thank you, Naders. You're far too kind. <laughs> Let's go straight to it. Drum roll, please. Give that man the envelope and announce our winner. All right. I'm pleased to announce in conjunction with World EV Day, Car Sale's best electric car of 22 is Tesla Model 3. Awesome. Awesome. Right, well, let's open the batting here. We've got so much to, to unpack and ask. Why did Model 3 win? Well, it's a funny story, actually. Model 3 won last year, so it's our reigning champion. It's now three years old. It was launched in 2019. And this year, it seems nothing else has come along to knock it off its perch, not even the all-new Tesla Model Y, its SUV cousin. It's funny because Tesla has been the one EV that's been top of mind for all consumers, hasn't it? And it seems with good reason. It's, uh, you know, there are a lot of EVs on the market now, but Tesla still reigns supreme. They do. And, you know, there's a lot more of them on the road now. They're becoming far more common. But the fact is, the Model 3 is Australia's best-selling EV, has been for a couple of years. Chinese sourcing helped that for sure. But most of all, it was the sub-60K pricing. You know, it was the first electric car that reached price parity, much cheaper than a, a BMW 3 Series or a Mercedes-Benz C-Class, which you cannot get for anything like under 60 grand anymore, although pricing has gone up a little bit. I think, Marty, it's good to know because we know that car sales run a lot of best cars, car of the year. What differentiates the testing criteria for a best EV yeah, good compared question. to the ICE vehicle? So we know it's quite a rigorous process, but are there different things that the judges look for? For sure. It's uh, Best electric car is, is one of our best awards, which we do every month. As with all best awards, we, we compare all eligible vehicles across 100 criteria, um, across five key categories, safety, tech, comfort and convenience, driving performance, cost of ownership. And that last section includes a whole bunch of parameters that are not applicable to other segments, you know, range, battery capacity, energy consumption, and on all those measures, the Model 3 does really well. Are there a couple of, um, you know, close runners-up or, or other standouts that emerged in this process? There are, Rusty. We took 13 um, vehicles this year, which is pretty much everything that was eligible in that field except the Volvo XC60 uh, Pure Electric, which sort of straddles our price cutoff at, at 75000 so a close second was the Tesla Model Y, a little bit more expensive, a little less efficient because it's slightly heavier, its price and therefore cost of ownership penalised it a little bit, but it was a pretty close second. Coming in third was a, an original favourite, I guess, the Hyundai Kona Electric, well-priced, good for uh, efficiency, safety, technology, all those things stood up, but it, yeah, it couldn't match the Model 3 or the Model Y, in fact, for driving performance or ownership costs, which the Teslas actually topped. And I think that's something that buyers really do focus on these days. And and I know, uh, Marty, you talk about price. There was that $75,000 cap. And we look at models like MG HSEV, the BYD 803. It shows that prices are coming down. Do you think we can expect to see more of this? 100%, Nadine. You know, the, the two cheapest ones in the field this year were, were the, the new BYD Atto 3 from China and another Chinese small electric SUV from MG. They're both around $46,000. Both of those brands, however, have, have announced plans to bring in a cheaper electric model. 
BYD originally targeted under 35,000 for a small electric hatch. They're still saying it'll be here this year. They're no longer saying sub 35, but it should be under 40. GWM, formerly known as Great Wall, is going to launch uh, an all-electric brand called Aura. We're hoping the Aura Good Cat, which as it's known overseas, perhaps not here, will also be under 40, perhaps closer to 35. So that's you know, almost half of, of what most people are paying now for electric cars, upwards of 60 and 70, within six months. You sort of sense come World EV Day 2023 that the, the process is going to be even tougher, Marty, isn't it? I mean, there, there's some good things in the pipeline here. And, you know, Nadine and I were talking today before coming on about, you know, longer range and all sorts of, of features that are on the improve in that regard. Definitely, Rusty, not only purchase price, but range. They are the two prohibitors to, to broader uptake of EV. All states and territories now offer a government's incentive. The federal government's just announced its first step towards a national EV plan. Um, and as part of that, there'll be fuel standards. So legislation may be the biggest driving factor going forward. You know, that will not only bring more efficient internal combustion cars, but it'll also accelerate the drive, the affordability of, of electric cars. But yeah, when it comes to range, you know, the Tesla still stands up. Both both Teslas uh, are upwards of 490, close to 500. I think once they all get to around the 600 mark, that's equivalent with most, you know, petrol, diesel cars. That'll change a lot of minds. We're still obsessed with four by fours, my friend. So what about an electric four by four? There'll be a lot of people listening to this that are keen to know about that. Definitely, Rusty. Utes are uh, the single biggest, most popular sales segment in Australia, having overtaken cars and now SUVs. All of the major brands are looking at at least mild hybrid, if not hybrid, if not plug-in hybrid, if not all electric versions of their existing utes as they're replaced. We've just got a new Ranger. It is what they call package protected for everything up to EV, although they're still studying that. Mitsubishi Triton, Toyota Hilux, all of those are going to be renewed in the next few years and all of them will have some sort of electrification. The Holy Grail is EV. That's still a few years away and it won't happen till next generation for, for many of those utes. But by the end of this decade, all of those utes will be replaced. Many of them will have a plug-in hybrid version and soon after there'll be electric versions and then we're talking global mid-size utes, one tonners, but the full-size American pickups, one size larger, there's an influx of them and they're doing boom business in Australia. Ford is, is finally confirmed it will offer a factory F-series from next year. Toyota has confirmed it's doing a study into a right-hand drive Tundra in Australia. I wouldn't be surprised if not only Ford and Toyota, but a whole bunch of other pure electric startup pickup brands like Rivian in the States come to Australia with an all-electric full-size pickup option with all sorts of fancy bells and whistles, including tank turns and the ability to charge your power tools from the vehicle and the ability for your vehicle to charge your house. Awesome. This is getting way too exciting. I can hear people <laughs> screaming. I can hear them screaming, Marty, as there's like overload of excitement. But I love that you've talked about multiple different manufacturers and even some new startups there. You know, in our test, we had Hyundai, we had Kia, Nissan, Polestar, uh, MG, I think the range of manufacturers, if they haven't got an EV, they've certainly got one on the cards. So 
I'm pretty excited to see what the 2023 best EV is going to be like. It is very exciting, Nadine. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people are, are, are a bit anti-EV, especially out in the bush, but as they come down in price, improve in range, as you say, all the major brands are now in on it. Every brand in, in the world is getting in on it when um, electric power is available in every segment, um, you know, across the industry. There's just going to be so much more choice and there's no reason, you know, if, if converted land cruisers are now in operation in mines underground, there's no reason that electric vehicles cannot replace everything in the, in the entire fleet. It won't happen tomorrow, but one day it will. So very exciting. Now, I know you haven't been feeling 100%, my friend, that you are on the men. We have tested your your raspy voice out a little bit for this all-important awards announcement. Um, for people that want to know more, having perhaps heard the podcast, to maybe see a bit of video and to read some of the stories in relation to this, where can they go? To our website, Rusty. It's all there, all the different sections, the intro, the verdict, and our video is at carsales.com.au for our best electric car of 2022, which is already much bigger than last year, and next year will be gangbusters. Cannot wait for 2023. That's going to be fabulous. Hey, thank you so much for jumping on and having a chat with us today on What's Under the Bonnet. Rusty, we mentioned that most brands have an EV in their product lineup these days, and if not, you can be sure that one is coming soon. And today's Meet and EVA takes us to the top of the pops. Well, in my opinion, right? Natalie Forsyth is a woman who speaks my language. She is a Porsche Taycan owner. Natalie, thank you so much for coming in today. Pleasure. Thank you, Nadine. I am a Porsche fan and everybody knows that, but you've got the Taycan, so the full electric Porsche. Tell me where it started. When did you buy it? Uh, we picked it up in May. We were one of the fortunate people who were able to purchase one this year and, and take ownership of one. Um, it was just fortunate. I was speaking to a guy at um, Porsche Brighton and he happened to be having one arriving in March. And um, and he said, yeah, it's yours if you want to put on a little $2,000 deposit and the car is yours if you want it. And um, I wanted it. Uh, and you're not alone. I think a lot of <laughs> listening would have wanted it as well. Hey, now a little bit of truth serum. So who drove the want for this car? Because kids, your kids would love it. I would know, and you, no doubt you do as well. So who was the principal kind of heading us in this direction? I initially was, and my husband was keen on the Tesla, and I like the aesthetic of the Porsche. Nothing against the uh, Tesla, but the Taycan has a beautiful aesthetic to it. And so I did push it, and of course the children were quite pleased uh, that they were going to be getting a Porsche. <laughs> they can, driven around in a they Porsche. can see that being handed down the family, so, can't they? <laughs> in short, girl. hubby got outvoted, basically, is this what happened here. <laughs> but now I find that I'm um, having to fight him for the keys because he, he's, he's enjoying getting behind the wheel. And he's he's an environmentalist, so he's um, he usually gets around on a on an electric scooter. And I'm finding now that he's driving a lot more. Excellent. <laughs> I love that you talk about that. That you know, the sustainability is something that does drive a lot of people to move to EVs. For that, that was clearly once something motivating you guys. Absolutely for us, because um, with Jamie's line of work, he was the co-creator of Keep Cup, and he's now got Returner. And so for him, his business is all about sustainability and in the environment. And so for him, he felt that he needed a car and his lifestyle to be conducive to that. Everyone seems to be happy with it in the household. There's no more stopping at the petrol station each week. I do pass the uh, the local petrol station and sort of look and think, oh, do I need to stop? 
no, just keep going. <laughs> it is a different experience though when, you know, in the early phase of, of owning it, I mean, the, from the quietness of the car and, and so on, just give us a sense of that that period of change and what you noticed and, and how you felt about it. Being a mother of three, I'm enjoying the peace in the car. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually. You mean that's when they're not in the car, right? <laughs> well, when they're in the car, and it's I don't actually hear that that extra noise of the of the vehicle. But um, I do. I mean, just the other day, I was reversing out of the garage, and it's just that swoosh sound. It's just so pleasant to the ears, and you've got the button that you can press it. You can have the sound of the Porsche revving engine, but I actually prefer the the swooshing sound. And and people comment if I'm on the phone to them that. I sound like I'm in an electric train. So the Taycan is your main family car, is that right, with three yes. kids? Yeah, we just have the one car. Um, I've never been one of those two-rack tractor mums with the three children. Mm-hmm. I've always had – my previous car was a BMW 640 Grand Coupe. So, again, it was quite a smaller vehicle. And the kids, yeah, just squish into the back seat. And, and rarely we, we find, with our eldest now being 17, we rarely travel as a family of five. So it works well. I've got a business colleague in Sydney who's done exactly what you have as well and, and um, has really enjoyed – in fact, we'll probably get him on the podcast at some stage because he's really enjoyed the change. Has that meant for you guys as a, as a family too that, you know, you know, wall charger at home and you've, you've gone – you've done it properly, so to speak? We have, yes. We've got the wall charger. We've just got the one car garage living in East Melbourne. We don't have a lot of space, so we're fortunate that the car can be garaged and we do have the wall charger. We don't charge it every night. When it gets down to about 50 k's, I often find that that's when I want to plug it in and charge it overnight and it goes up to about 350 and that does last me for the week. Yeah, that's a great. Now, you spoke about your eldest daughter. Ooh. So I can only imagine that there might be some driving lessons happening, P-plates, L-plates, P-plates. What's on the horizon yeah, for the uh, not, family car? Not in the Taycan. She's, uh, <laughs> she's, she's not allowed to, um, again, the environmentalist in my husband, we um, – we get the little go-get cars. We live in East Melbourne, so we've got go-get cars not far from where we live and she just pops in one of those and drives around for an hour or two and that's how she learns. Um, she's getting her hours up for her learners. We are obviously now for the next 12 months we will be in the market for another EV because we will not be allowed to be an internal combustion engine car family again. That was my next question because the kids – are, uh, are, you know, so, not, not just your husband, I would imagine here, but they're so passionate uh, about yes. this. And I, I had the same, com- my, my eldest is 16, but my youngest, who's 14, is already talking to me about, you know, right. dad, you know, maybe a Nissan Leaf or whatever it might be further further down the track. Those conversations are happening, aren't they? Absolutely. And and she's already started, you know. she's She first started off that she wanted a Jeep and apparently she heard that Jeep were bringing out an electric vehicle. Well, that's not going to happen here in Australia. So Jeep's now off the uh, off the list. But, yeah, she's going through and she's doing her research. So it's been great and she's been looking at what a full EV vehicle that she'll be needing to purchase for next year. I love that kids can get online and do the research yep. these days as well. It's, it's like they're and so they well do. informed mm. and, they, mm. and they come from all different perspectives as well. It's not, and, and, and our children won't be mourning the sound of a V8, will they? <laughs> they've never had it. <laughs> you know, they've never had that experience of driving a, a noisy, big noisy no. car. They might have been in one, but I think it'll be a really different driving experience for them. Absolutely. And, you know, the charging factor. I mean, I was also thinking about, you know, as I drive around East Melbourne, a lot of houses don't have garages. So I'm wondering now the conversation about, you know, whether our local areas, our councils are going to have to be putting in charging stations in residential areas for families that don't have garages and how are you going to charge your car up? Because I'm thinking about, well, we're a one-car garage. We'll have to take it in turns to have the car in and out to then charge it up. 
It's like the modern day castle. You have to move the Taycan to fit in the <laughs> fit in the mini to <laughs> who's plugging in. There'll be a, there'll be a whole schedule going by the time yep. all three children are driving. Absolutely. <laughs> On our last episode, Natalie, we talked about charging, and um, our meet and EVA um, had talked about long distance driving. Have you done any sort of family road trips, and how have you gone with the planning for some of that stuff? We haven't yet. Uh, we do. My parents live down the peninsula, and we spend the summer down there. So my husband has just driven there up and back one day just to drop the dog off Mm -hmm. and it was fine. Yeah, the car made it there and back and it was fine. But yeah, I I do wonder how we will manage over the summer and whether there are charging stations. But we do, it does come with a portable, well, most EVs come with portable chargers. So I'm sure my parents don't mind if I just plug it into their socket at home and charge up the car then. Natalie, thank you for having us. And I will declare again, you have, if I was buying an EV tomorrow, Without question, I would want <laughs> a Taycan. Yeah, she's beautiful. No, yeah. no so pressure. Congratulations. You've set the benchmark <laughs> for us. Thank you. I know. Thank you for I coming know. in today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Today's award announcement is probably the big headline, but there is a bit of other news floating around the EV space that we should tackle, Nadine, while we're here and naturally rove with this EV ute to potentially kickstart and and, um, and and bolster local car manufacturing again. That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah, wouldn't that be fabulous? I, I know, you know, we were mourning the loss of Falcon and Toyota Camry and so on, a homegrown Commodore, but Rove really are sort of bringing us what, what the masses want. We, you know, we want a dual cab ute. We want to move to electric vehicles. So it's a great story. And, and they're starting small. They're a small company, startup. So they're not uh, aspiring to producing thousands and thousands of vehicles. But um. It, it is going to be very exciting to see what they can do in this space. And more excitingly, Rusty, we're actually going to be chatting to the team from Rove on a future podcast. Fantastic. So looking forward uh, to that. So an electric dual cab ute. And we do have some world-class engineers, designers, you name it, in this part of the world, even though that local manufacturing was hit in recent years. So nice to see startups like this happening. Now, a name a badge with a huge amount of cachet and the term EV being added to the end of it now, electric Toyota Hilux. This one really caught my attention. Could the unbreakable Hilux be an EV? <laughs> Could it be? I mean, that would just you know be the, the pinnacle, wouldn't it? There is a lot going on at the moment. World EV Day brings it all out. But as with most things, Rusty, you know, the devil is in the detail. So yes. new electric vehicles, there's a lot of story you know, they can attract some subsidies from some states or associated taxes depending on where you live. So make mm. sure you jump on car sales. We've got a lot of detail there around state by state and how that impacts buyers. We've even had statements from Bank Australia recently mm. talking about they want to stop, you know, new fossil fuel vehicles being funded as part of their commitment to the net zero carbon emissions by 2035. So by 2025, they're talking about not financing new car loans for ICE vehicles. So there you go, a little snapshot of some other pieces of news floating around the EV space at the moment, and that's what caught our attention this month. But what about you guys? What's got you talking? Listener Mailbox. Time for some email. You like what I did there? And a look at the vault meter. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> See what's making you uh, chat. Now, you can do that. Um, we've been encouraging you, podcast at carsales.com.au. You can send your standard email or you can record a little 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it into us. So we do have some that have been filing through over the, the past month, filtering through. Here is one for you, Nadine, from Jane. 
Hey, Nadine and Rusty. Uh, yes, as someone who's still driving their first car they bought back in 2009, I'm really hesitant about electric vehicles. Am I going to get the same lifespan out of a, a new electric vehicle as I have with my standard car? I love that this question has come up because it is something that people do talk about, um, you know, battery life as well as longevity. Uh, I love that these listeners got their car, their first car still, because that's not <laughs> always the case. People are so so quick to swap over cars these days. But the the answer is yes. I think look to the factory manufacturer's warranty, and you'll actually find that EVs are on par with normal ICE vehicles these days. So the answer is yes. And also battery life. Some of the battery warranties will extend even. So they'll be longer than the general manufacturer's warranty. So you can rest assured that it's a good investment. And also we'll talk about this in more detail in future episodes, the running costs. There are less moving parts in an EV. You'll find the running costs are less, less things go wrong because less things are moving. And of course, just like your ICE vehicle, you have cap price servicing. So there is a lot of peace of mind going forward. Again, it's a bit of an education piece and we really will dig into this deeper in future episodes one of the best places you can go from a a research point of view is our electric vehicle hub. So carsales.com.au forward slash electric. Let's dive back in. Here's another one uh, from Tom. Hi, Nadine. Hi, Rusty. Is it possible to convert a diesel 4x4 into an electrical vehicle? Short answer is yes, um, but this retrofitting thing, this whole industry that's springing up around it is a really interesting one. And you can find different... Um, stories uh, out there. I, I, I recall Nadine seeing one about a company. I think that they they were called GB Auto. They were a mining vehicle company, and they were doing things like uh, Hilux and Land Cruisers converting to to EV drivetrains. Fun one around classics too. Someone took a, an old Datsun twelve hundred U. They nicknamed it the Dassler, like like Tesla, but the Dassler, <laughs> and they they retrofitted an electric engine to that. So um, another company that's around. I think they're called Evolution Australia. They've been doing it to Land Rover Defenders. So I think the important thing for people to think about before deciding to retrofit their vehicle is what are you using it for as well? Because let's, let's not forget about you know. Um, EVs are amazing. They've got a huge amount of torque, which is, you know, why, you know, people use turbo diesels for towing and so on. Um, but things change when you're in the electric vehicle landscape. So I think this, you know, like you said, Rusty, the answer is yes. And, and for, a, for a small uh, amount of money, or not small amount of money, it's possi- yeah. <laughs> it is possible. Sorry, a not so small amount of money, it is possible. So a reminder to get in touch with us, podcast at carsales.com.au. Do that each month. If you've got something like Jane or Tom there that you've been thinking about, fire it in. We'll do our best to answer it. And if not, we'll even direct you perhaps to our electric vehicle hub for more information. Given the significance of the day, World EV Day, we thought it was important, Nadine, to shine a light on the industry and some of the great work that is being done by the EV Council of Australia. That's right, because this really is bigger than just people getting behind the wheel of an EV. And the Electric Vehicle Council of Australia uh, does a lot. They they lobby, they work with a lot of the key stakeholders. And we have Fahad Jafari, the founder and CEO, with us today. Thank you for joining us on World EV Day. Hi, guys. Really great to be here. We're coming uh, you know, off the back of the EV summit in Canberra, so I know that that's been attracting a lot of attention. So we'd love to hear a little bit about what some of the outcomes have been from that. Yeah, I think that it's excellent for that. That first great outcome for us is we know in the industry and across Australian consumers, there's all this great excitement and enthusiasm for electric vehicles. 
we've got an electric vehicle industry spanning from people doing electricity infrastructure to charging to uh, you know after sales parts and of course the vehicle manufacturers themselves all doing wonderful things inside of the space. We're very excited about ourselves. And the summit was first and foremost a day to be able to put that on show to the rest of the country and to the rest of the world. And so it was a day where we had federal and state government ministers, uh, territory ministers, prominent people like Mike Adam Brooks and the chair of Tesla, Robert Denholm. But as well, really importantly for me, you know, the CEOs of car companies, uh, charging companies, really the industry coming together to be able to, you know, t- talk about our issues, talk about how far we have come. I can remember it all not that long ago when we used to hold electric vehicle summits. It took us months to get 12 people to sit around <laughs> at the table and that was an electric vehicle summit. But of course, there are a few really key issues. So we're an industry association. We spend a lot of time on things like policies, regulations, sort of best practices and standards. I think the very big, uh, you know, the federal outcome, the federal policy outcome from that summit was a government stepping up to say that we will, we're opening the doors on a national electric vehicle policy. Well overdue for Australia to have something called a national electric vehicle policy, not housing electric vehicles under other things. They're, they're a big enough issue on their own to deserve their own policy. Uh, and an important part of that is kicking off the process on something that we've been advocating for since the day one of the Electric Vehicle Council, actually, which is a federal fuel efficiency standard uh, and one that actually encourages manufacturers to bring the electric vehicles they have around the rest of the world and make them available to Australian consumers. Yeah, absolutely. Because supply and product in Australia has been one of the things that uh, I think a lot of people are waiting for that, that next product or the perfect product for them. So how are we going to encourage that product to lift in Australia? Yeah, so, I mean, car makers tell us very frankly, and they speak out very openly about this, that the strength of a standard in other countries, these things are called anything from fuel uh, fuel efficiency standards, CO2 standards, cafe standards. Today, some 80% of the world's car market have these in place. They've had them in place for over a decade now. They're quite standard things to have, and Australia doesn't, so it's a bit strange for them. And they tell us that the strength of those standards make up anywhere between 80 to 100% of their decision of which countries do you send a mass amount of electric vehicles and fuel efficient vehicles uh, to in the first place. So too often what we see here is that when electric vehicles do land here, they land in very limited numbers. And again, these are global companies making global decisions. So they take a scan of where is everyone else and where is Australia. And really this standard is about putting ourselves on an even playing field with those other countries so that we know for instance, cheaper electric vehicles exist. We know that the electric vehicles that are coming here, if we had a larger supply of them, more people are ready to buy them, you know, even with higher prices and the need for more charging and all of these other issues that we'll get into. Uh, we know that there are things like electric utes around the world, things that would be very popular if they were made available to Australian consumers. So it's just taking that uncertainty away from the manufacturers of do we bring it to Australia or not, to saying, yes, you should, and in fact, yes, you actually have to. You have to make these great new technologies available to Australians. The passion is obvious. You can hear it in your voice. It's probably worth for our audience just um, peeling a little bit of that back and just explaining your your background. And importantly for newcomers, the, the role, if you will, of the EV Council of Australia, given the growth that you just described from going from a body of 12 people that was hard to bring together for a conference like that to something that was quite significant very recently. Yeah, I'd, so I actually come from the electric side of the Electric Vehicle Council. I used to do similar types of work in the renewable energy and clean energy world. Um, so I always love it when people from the automotive side ask questions like, electric vehicles are only as good as the fuel that powers them. You know, how, how green is our electricity? Because I, I can assure you there's 
orders of magnitude more work happening on greening electricity than there has been on greening the cars that use uh, that electricity here in Australia. And part of our work has been to change that. For me, the Electric Vehicle Council kicked off, started putting this thing together back in 2016, 15, 16, as a bit of a, at first, a loose collaboration of companies who wanted to see more happen inside of this space, right? There are a few car companies, electricity companies and others noting that the rest of the world's doing better on electric vehicles than we are. And why is that the case? What can we do about it? And you know, a lot of these issues that we're talking about today, there's a bit of consumer uncertainty, there's investor uncertainty from you know, the car companies and charging companies' perspective. You know, we're a non-profit. We, um, while companies are members of ours, you know, we're, we're independent of them as well. You know, so, so, so they do fund us, but, um, but you know, we, we represent the industry as a whole, not one particular brand. And, and so we do that role of we work working with governments right around the country on supporting electric vehicle policies, also pushing the industry to do better, developing our own best practices, our own regulations to make sure that the consumers get the best, you know, best possible opportunity and best possible products when it comes to EVs, uh, as well as being able to share that information out with them of what is the, you know, what's the latest news about electric vehicles, what are their capabilities and uh, building that enthusiasm and excitement for people to want to buy them as well. From a consumer perspective, we're seeing a mix of incentives, but also some disincentives depending on which state you live in. It can be a bit tricky, but mm. I look at things like uh, Bank Australia recently announced that it's going to cease funding for car loans for new fossil fuel vehicles from 2025. So this is all part of its commitment to achieve net zero carbon emissions by 2035. Do we need to see more of those stricter targets, those you know, fairly bold stance around these things to, to move the needle? Yeah, well, I think there are a few things that are happening there, right? It's not like somebody woke up and said, you know what, I'm just going to not, I'm not going to finance petrol and diesel vehicles. They've been going on this journey and this is a step along that journey. Um, but certainly I think, you know, more than anything, when a bank comes out and makes a statement like this at this point, it's also a, it's a trigger for people to pay a bit of attention and to be asking, well, why and what's happening and what should I be looking into? Because when you do so, you see that, well, yes, there are electric vehicles, there are these alternatives and the more people who know about them you know, we do this great work, this consumer survey work with car sales, um, and that tells us that over half of uh, purchasers would like to be able to buy an electric vehicle as their next car. Uh, but interestingly, the more that we spend time with people who spend time researching electric vehicles, that skyrockets up to 80-90% of people who'd like to buy an electric car. Because once you know their capabilities and what's available, um, yes, you may want them to be cheaper or you may want other things, but uh, the more education you have, the more excited you are for it. And so that's where these type of moves are really valuable. They tell people, go ahead and start finding out more about those alternatives because once you do, the ban's not going to matter. You're not going to want the petrol and diesel one in the first place. I know this is a very complex question, I know, but if there are just two things that you could tell our listeners, the, the consumers, the people, the would-be EV owners, just two things for them to know, what would that be? I'd say they definitely both be on charging, uh, that charging an electric vehicle is not like fueling a petrol or diesel vehicle. Um, quite often we hear people talking about, you know, where the charges are and how long it takes to charge, as if you have to drive to a petrol station and stand beside your vehicle the entire time it's charging. Um, I can tell you that since I've bought an electric vehicle, I've never had to think about charging. I get home and once a fortnight or so I plug the car in and if I didn't know how long it took to charge professionally, I wouldn't know how long it takes to charge because I'm off doing other things. You know, I'm watching Netflix, I'm hanging out with my kids, I'm doing all that stuff while the car's charging itself. And then in the morning, I get to leave with a full tank, essentially, right? My car's fully charged. I don't, I don't need to think about where do I need to go now to refuel this vehicle. 
This has been a fascinating chat. Couple to finish, if we can. We will get to what is in your garage in a moment. We can't let you go without do without doing that. But I think in the wake of the uh, of the summit, the conference, can you tell us about you know emission targets for uh, Australia and and the the push, the want for for stricter targets in that regard? Yeah. So what we've really been saying for quite a few years, and as well as the government, is that. So Australia needs these targets in place and there's very broad agreement there. Carmakers say very frankly, not having these means that you don't get a lot of the electric vehicles available elsewhere, you don't get as many of them as everyone else. What's very important here though is that they actually have to be good standards. We have had other voices say that Australia should have far weaker ones than the rest of the world. Uh, We've cautioned there that having very weak ones can be just as bad as not having them at all. What we've got as, as a situation right now is saying, the regulations in places like Europe and the USA is sort of like a 10 and you're a zero. Therefore, we're sending vehicles to those other markets and not making them available to Australians. If we develop regulations that make us a three and they're still a 10, well, guess what happens? We're still going to keep missing out because the incentive is going to be to send the vehicles elsewhere. And again, I think the really great message that we got from government was that they're really partners in this process with us. You know, It's not just us agitating for these things. They have very clearly said that the, the boundaries of this conversation are ambitious ones. They are the people who get a seat at the table to talk about these things is we know that there's a leading pack of countries. We maybe as Australia might not be at the very front of that leading pack, but we're going to be inside of it. We're not going to be an average country in in this space anymore, or we're not going to be a, a lagging country where we have been, but we're not only aiming for the middle, we're aiming for that leadership group. This really is a complex puzzle. And I think on World EV Day, it's good for us to actually maintain that bigger picture because this is not just about getting people, you know, bums behind EVs. This really is a bigger picture. So I do thank you for your time and and, and what the EV Council is doing. Uh, But as Rusty said, we're not letting you go before we ask. Come on. (laughs) Before we ask. And I'll make this huge, huge or not so huge assumption. Which EV do you drive on the daily? It's a safe assumption that I do drive one, so that's a good start. <laughs> I, I do drive a Tesla Model 3, a standard range on principle. I refuse to buy a long range because I knew I wouldn't need it. <laughs> uh, absolutely wonderful car. I absolutely love it, although I am coming very – yesterday I was in Melbourne and through a car rental company, which I what name I, I hired a Polestar, and i got to say my current car has some competition. I, I sent a few WhatsApps to my wife bragging about this other car (laughs) so she may be hearing a bit more about it in the days to come (laughs) that's good to hear well done well done an award-winning car in the driveway it's been fabulous to chat with you you have an amazing voice too i'm out of a voiceover gig if you ever end up in the podcasting (laughs) landscape uh well done on what you're doing with the the council um keep boxing keep pushing with that and we look forward to chatting with you maybe a, a little further down the track on what's under the bonnet thank you very much guys happy to come back anytime just about out of time for this edition. We would love you to rate and review the podcast. Let your friends and family know, even if they're new to EVs, you can share any of the apps that we've tackled so far. And a reminder, the only place to go for everything you need to know is our electric vehicle hub, carsales.com.au forward slash electric. And naturally, Nadine, right now, a lot of space being dedicated to a, a pretty happy bunch who've won an award, a significant award today. Absolutely. A big shout out to Tesla. Not only winning our best EV for 2022, it's the second time they've done that. And they've also taken out a couple of places at the podium. So well done to Tesla. And to our judging panel as well, because it's not easy when you're looking at the best electric cars at an affordable uh, end of the price spectrum. There is a lot to consider and lots of great stuff in the pipeline. We cannot wait to see 
who will take this one out in 2023. On behalf of Nadine, our producer Kelsey and all of the team, that's it for this one. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Listener Production.